This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On a gray, rainy morning, a white car drove up the driveway to a house in a quiet South Florida neighborhood. The driver parked and casually walked to the front door, carrying balloons and a bouquet of flowers. When 40-year-old Marlene Warren greeted the stranger who wore a bright orange wig, red nose, and painted face, she smiled pleasantly. Marlene had loved clowns since she was a child. When the grinning stranger handed her the festive balloons and flowers, Marlene remarked, Oh, how pretty. A second later, Marlene was dead, and the clown bearing gifts would calmly walk back to the car, drive away, and disappear. In a bizarre cold case, like a scene straight out of the Hollywood film It. Cold case involving a killer clown, ABC's Lindsay J. This case haunted a family and a Florida community for years. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. The affluent Aero Club neighborhood in Wellington, Florida, known for its celebrity residence, private airstrip, and exclusive golf courses, wasn't prepared for the disturbing scene about to unfold down the street. On May 26, 1990, Marlene Warren, along with her 21-year-old son, and a group of his friends were enjoying a relaxing Memorial Day weekend. It had started to rain and the winds had started to pick up, but otherwise it was a quiet and uneventful Saturday morning. It was nearing 11 a.m. when the white Chrysler LeBaron pulled up to the house. In the clown's gloved hands were the two balloons, one with a picture of Snow White, the other with the words, you're the greatest, along with a bouquet of flowers. Smiling wide through the sinister, painted-on happy face, the clown handed the gifts to Marlene, who accepted them graciously. Almost immediately, and without saying a word, the fully-costumed stranger pulled out a pistol and at point-blank range fired a single shot, striking Marlene in the face. As Marlene's son raced to the doorway where his mother was now crumpled in a pool of blood, the clown calmly walked back to the driveway. Before getting in the car and driving away, the clown stopped, turned around, and looked directly at Marlene's son. He would later tell police that he clearly saw brown eyes under the horrifying painted face looking back at him. Marlene Warren died two days later. The clown was never seen again. A very memorable, shocking, and bizarre crime that happened in this Wellington community, a very quiet, Exclusive Wellington woman, Marlene Warren. A person dressed as a clown shot her after she opened her front door. In the days following the chilling murder, police located the white Chrysler LeBaron. It had been abandoned in the parking lot of a grocery store less than five miles from the crime scene. Police would later disclose that the vehicle had been reported stolen from a car rental service a month earlier. Inside the car, investigators found orange fibers closely resembling the wig worn by the clown, as well as several brown hair samples. Unfortunately, limitations with DNA testing at the time provided little to help identify the killer. 
They also discovered a paper bag in the trunk from a Publix grocery store. Detectives would eventually track the sale of the balloons and flowers to a West Palm Beach Publix about 16 miles from Marlene Warren's house. According to store records, the purchase occurred at 9.22 a.m., the day of the shooting. As news of the gruesome attack quickly spread, authorities received a call from the owner of a local costume shop. The caller said that the store had recently sold a full clown outfit to a woman who paid cash and appeared to be in a rush. Michael Warren was Marlene's husband of 18 years. They had what appeared to be a comfortable life and shared several successful businesses and real estate properties estimated to be worth over a million dollars. Their lavish ranch-style house in the Aero Club neighborhood was on a large one-acre property. Michael ran their used car dealership and rental agency located in West Palm Beach, while Marlene managed the real estate, which included duplexes and apartment rentals. As the investigation dove deep, detectives quickly learned that despite their successes, things were not going well for the couple. They would uncover a number of reasons why Michael Warren would want his wife dead. First, their marriage was breaking down. Believing he was having an affair, Marlene told her parents that she planned to leave Michael. Despite Michael flatly denying the affair to investigators, authorities suspected it had been going on for some time. Second was the fact that Marlene was worth quite a lot to Michael. There was a sizable payout from the life insurance policy covering Marlene. And the businesses and real estate properties had all been in Marlene's name. With her gone, Michael would gain sole ownership of their assets. Her parents were quoted during an interview saying, if she would have left him, it would have cost him dearly. Almost as if she had foresight of the event, Marlene had confided to her parents that she worried Michael would one day kill her. She had warned her parents that, if anything happens to me, Mike did it. However, Michael had a solid alibi. He was with a group of friends on their way to the racetrack when the clown pulled up to Marlene's house. Police were forced to admit that he could not be the killer in the clown costume. Michael was removed as the primary suspect, but authorities were still confident that he was, somehow, involved. Investigators were forced to pursue other avenues. They began by investigating the couple's businesses. Bargain Motors, Inc., the business Michael operated, included the car dealership and rental agency. As authorities interviewed associates, they too suggested that Michael had been having an affair, apparently with one of his employees. They also spoke of unscrupulous business practices. Although not something they were looking for, investigators discovered that Michael routinely tampered with the mileage on his rental cars. This enabled him to have repairs covered by warranties otherwise expired, and the lowered mileage allowed him to sell the used cars to unsuspecting buyers at inflated rates. Unfortunately for Michael, and totally unrelated to his wife's death, Five months after the murder, prosecutors charged him with 11 counts of grand theft, 21 counts of odometer fraud, and 10 counts of petty theft. Michael Warren was found guilty in August 1992 of 43 felony counts. Michael faced a possible life sentence for these crimes, which seemed excessive to the judge. During the sentencing, the judge angrily reprimanded prosecutors and said it was a clear case of selective prosecution due to their failure to build a murder case. 
In other words, they couldn't build a case for the murder, so they were trying to send him to jail for something else. The judge was having none of it, and Michael was ultimately sentenced to nine years in prison. He was released in 1997 after serving almost four years, and he quickly dropped from the public eye. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. As previously mentioned, interviews with Michael's associates turned up more information about the alleged affair with one of his employees. 27-year-old Sheila Keene was hired to repossess cars on behalf of the dealership and rental agency. She was described by acquaintances as an attractive, streetwise, and tough woman who wasn't afraid to go into the roughest neighborhoods to do her job. Associates told investigators that Michael and Sheila would often take extra-long lunches together. They would schedule business trips together and spend a lot of time at her apartment. They were at Sheila's place so often that neighbors assumed they were married. In October 1990, after Michael Warren had been ruled out as the killer, authorities confirmed publicly their belief that the clown was a woman. Behind the scenes, authorities turned their investigation to Sheila Keene. Detectives eventually collected a tremendous amount of circumstantial evidence against her. The public store, where the balloons and flowers were sold, was located directly across the street from Sheila's apartment. The cashier at the time remembered the shopper was a woman with long, brown hair. When the police interviewed the costume shop owner, she described the buyer of the clown costume and makeup as a woman with long brown hair and brown eyes, just like Sheila. While the store owner couldn't say for certain, she told police, who showed her a picture of Sheila, that she looked similar to the shopper. Several months into the investigation, detectives also learned that when Sheila lived in the small town of Pahokee, Florida, she reportedly dressed as a clown to entertain children at a local business event. Sheila had always denied this, but people in attendance remembered her. Also, Sheila's ex-husband, Richard Keene, told detectives that Sheila had asked him where she could find their 38 caliber revolver. Richard Keene told police that he couldn't give it to her because it had gone missing sometime earlier. Later in the investigation, forensic analysis would indicate that Marlene Warren was killed using a 38 caliber handgun and the stolen white Chrysler LeBaron driven by the clown the morning of the shooting? Authorities traced that car back to bargain auto rentals, Michael Warren's business. In fact, it was Sheila Keene who reported it stolen. Despite all this circumstantial evidence, during police questioning, Sheila asserted her innocence. She maintained that there was no intimate relationship with Michael Warren. She also insisted that on the day a clown shot Marlene in the face, she was on the job repossessing cars. A week after Marlene's death and search warrant in hand, detectives entered Sheila's apartment. 
They were hoping to find concrete evidence proving Sheila Keen was the killer clown, such as the orange wig and clown suit. If they were lucky, maybe police would find the murder weapon and ammo. Perhaps they would find sales receipts with details such as times, dates, and showing what she bought. What they walked away with was a stack of t-shirts, a few pairs of sneakers, a couple of jean jackets, and some trash. Analysts, however, did find brown hair and orange fiber samples similar in appearance to the hairs collected from the Chrysler LeBaron. The samples were forwarded to the FBI, where further analysis was conducted. Even at the FBI labs, DNA testing at the time of Marlene's murder paled in comparison to modern techniques and analysis. Despite the vast amount of circumstantial evidence, and with no further leads or concrete proof, authorities and prosecutors did not feel confident they had enough evidence to charge Sheila. The weeks and months following Marlene Warren's murder turned into years. The clown was never caught. No one was ever charged. In 2000, the lead detective at the time of the killing, Bill Williams, was quoted saying, We were hoping to get the state attorney to prosecute, but there was always some doubt as to who the trigger person was. He went on to say, This case was a series of circumstances that pointed in one direction. Just because you can point the finger doesn't mean that you have enough to convict them. In 2002, 12 years after the clown gunned down Marlene, Michael Warren and Sheila Keen married. A couple of years later, in 2004, they moved to the quiet Blue Ridge Mountains of Washington County, Virginia, where they've lived quietly since. Almost 25 years after the clown's grisly murder terrified residents of the peaceful village of Wellington, officials announced that the now cold case would be reopened. New funding and technology enabled them to look at the case a second time. A new investigation began, and they continued to focus on Sheila Keene. In 2014, Detective Paige McCann, the new lead investigator, said in an interview, you get basically one shot. If you roll that dice and you take that chance and she's found not guilty, then she never can be charged again. So sometimes just patience is the best. Now we have uh, uh, nuclear DNA, we have touch DNA, we have mitochondrial DNA, and all of those things together allow us um, to be able to test items that weren't able to be tested back in 1990. Significant advances in DNA technology since the evidence had last been tested provided authorities with the irrefutable proof they had been looking for. On September 26, 2017, Sheila Keene, now 54, was taken into custody and charged with the first-degree murder of Marlene Warren. Tonight, Palm Beach County prosecutors and sheriff's investigators joined the sheriff of Washington County, Virginia, in announcing the arrest of Sheila Keene Warren. When reporters notified Marlene's 87-year-old mother of the arrest, she said in an interview, Well, I had faith that they never gave up, you know, because if they, they got it in their mind to do so, it, eventually it works out for them and me. On October 3, 2017, 
Sheila was extradited from Virginia to Palm Beach County, Florida. Prosecutors have stated that they are seeking the death penalty given the cold and callous nature of the crime. Sheila Keen Warren didn't look at the cameras today or show any reaction when the prosecutor announced that they would be seeking the death penalty against her. Keen Warren shuffled into the courtroom, quickly joined by her new criminal defense attorney. She was extradited from Virginia last night where she was arrested for killing Marlene Warren in Wellington 27 years ago while dressed as a clown and delivering roses. Sheila Keene is currently being held without bond and has pleaded not guilty in a recent court appearance. Keene Warren's attorney says that his uh, client told him that she is vehemently denying that she murdered her lover's wife way back then while dressed as a clown. While authorities have stated that Sheila Keene has remained calm and emotionless since her arrest, one of her mugshots captures her grinning wide like a creepy clown. True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by me. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. Cover art and design was created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Comments? Questions? Get a hold of us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. A huge thanks for listening. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.